Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guests are Russell Hamilton and Bill Brown from the Texas Water Utilities Association. Bill Brown is the current president of the Texas Water Utilities Association. Bill has 32 years in the water and wastewater profession. Since June of 2007, he has served as the general manager for the Jonah Water Special Utilities District in Texas, which is just outside of Hutto. He is the current president of the Central Texas region in Colleen, is an instructor, and has attended many TWUA training events. Russell Hamilton is the current executive director of the Texas Water Utilities Association. Russell began his career in the water and wastewater industry in 1976 as a part-time meter reader and general laborer. He worked his way up to being the city administrator for the city of Idaloo, Texas, where he served 27 years and in 2006 was named the executive director of the Texas Water Utilities Association. Russell and Bill, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Let's start with you, Russell. Russell, tell me a little bit about the Texas Water Utilities Association. For those of our listeners out there who aren't familiar with you, tell us who you guys are and what you guys do. We like to do acronyms for everything. So Texas Water Utilities Association gets shortened to TWUA all the time, and that's kind of who we're known for in the industry. Uh, But TWUA was founded in 1918 uh, because uh, a gentleman named uh, V.M. Ehlers was the sanitation engineer for uh, the state of Texas, and he saw a need for training uh, the folks that uh, they were just figuring out that disease was transmitted by water. And uh, Mr. Ehlers was very instrumental in, in uh, establishing uh, a need to train the folks that supplied the water. And we kind of picked up on where Mr. Ehlers left off and have been doing operator training ever since. Well, that's great. Bill, what, uh, what is the Texas Water Utilities Association to you as the board president? As the board president, the first thing it is, is it's a member centered organization and I've been a member for several years before I was appointed to the board and it's it's an excellent opportunity for operators all over the state and as a matter of fact now beyond the state to receive training and which is critical to our careers. Let's touch on that a little bit and training in today's environment, especially with all the regulations from, you know, in your state, TCEQ, but the federal government, the FDA, all of these different places, how important is, you know, well-trained operators to our, you know, water and wastewater? It's absolutely critical. Uh, Training uh, operators from rule changes or updates to rules and regs, both EPA and TCEQ, training, we can't, you can't be an operator without training, and you can't be stagnant as an operator once you achieve a, you know, C-level certification, you can maintain that C, that C with uh, continuing education credits, but 
train without training you 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 can't be an effective uh operator you, it just training is extremely important yeah, i'll just kind of pick up right there where where bill left off and say the epa um environmental protection agency is always monitoring changing trends you know we start looking at um concentrations of, of minerals in the water and all of that and those things change every time the legislature changes so uh very important to stay on top of all that training and uh you, you don't have to look much further than flint michigan to see what happens when uh, uh maybe not directly related to training but how quickly things can go south and impact public health and safety that, that's a great point. So talking about your guys' organization a little more, uh, Russell, if you want to tell us a little bit about the structure of TWUA, how, how are you guys structured and who makes up the membership that, you know, your organization provides services to? So our membership is is based on if, if you wanted to be a member of TWA, we would welcome you with open arms. Uh, we've got about 9,000 members. Most of them are operators. Some of them are um, admin type folks that take care of scheduling and and uh, signing the operators up for classes. So I can't say that there are um, all 9,000 of those are, are operators, but the large majority of them are. And uh, just to kind of give you a perspective, in Texas, there's about 35,000 licensed operators and that's water and wastewater. That's a drop in the bucket as to how many people are actually involved in laying water pipes and fixing water leaks and establishing service and unstopping wastewater lines and keeping everything flowing like it should. Um, we have been kicking around the concept of trying to uh, figure out how many people work in each entity or each metropolitan area just to see how many public works employees there are statewide but i'll bet you it's mind-blowing and uh just trying to get as much up-to-date training uh make it available so that they can um uh they can they can receive updates and they you know this i didn't know is not really a uh a defense anymore there's enough training and there's enough opportunities for training uh, that if somebody uh, has a desire to learn or stay on top of the industry and figure out where trends are going, uh, we, we want to provide an opportunity to get there. We won't be a conduit for that. Bill, we talked. you talked a little bit about training. What are some of the other benefits that members get by being part of the Texas Water Utilities Association? Outside of training, networking opportunities, uh, the the ability, uh, the so well, when we can have live events right now because of COVID and we'll get there, we can't have live events, but we have monthly district meetings. And at those monthly district meetings, you're around, you know, several dozen of your peers. And you can sit down and have, you know, uh, there's a question posed at the beginning of most meetings. And you sit down and you talk about the, the question. So you have that that problem solving aspect and different perspectives. You have the ability uh, with with networking comes 
contacts. And if I have a, a, an issue, I can pick the phone up and, and call somebody and say, hey, you know, this is what we're going through. Can you help? What can you recommend? When, when we have training, you know, we everybody is provided a manual. Those manuals, and I, and I tell folks, I'm actually an instructor with TWA, and I tell folks that I keep every manual from every class I've ever been in. And it, it's, a, it's a resource, it's a reference. It, it becomes reference material that you can refer back to. And it's just having, having those, those personal contacts outside of training and then networking. You know, when we go to regional events or we go to um, annual school, our, our annual big training, statewide training event, you know, we in vendors and we get to see new products and we get to spend time with vendors where usually they're in and out of our place of business really fast because because of our daily lives. But we get to spend time with those folks and we can see what they offer. So it's it's a plethora of. And you you form a bond with some of these people and they become lifelong friends. I, I happen to be in, in Jonah's office out uh saturday whenever things were kind of starting to thaw out a little bit but it was still you know 14 degrees and six inches of snow on the ground and you know they were running on four days with no sleep and you know all of those kinds of things were still real fresh and i happened to be in their office um talking to bill's number two guy and um he got a phone call from another entity another water provider that needed a coordinator part and if you don't have somebody's contact information or feel free about in the in a bind you know can i call up bill or can i call up another uh operator that i met at one of these district meetings or regional trainings and you know developed a friendship with um being able to call and know that if he had that part he's going to help me in some way get back up and running or maybe he knows somebody else that might have a part that would work and uh, just the networking and watching all of the people make phone calls and start jumping through hoops and you know drive the part and meet them halfway to, to the other entity uh, it's pretty special what does that mean to see that kind of teamwork come together in in the water industry I was raised to believe that you don't burn bridges. And we, in this business, we tend to invariably move around, for, you know, for with seeking or, you know, for different opportunities. But having the ability to pick up the phone and say, look, it's, you know, it's Saturday night, it's Sunday, it's, you know, Christmas, it's Christmas Eve. There's nobody open and I need this part do you have it absolutely can where can i meet you it means the world the the thing about it is is our general public doesn't see the networking as a matter of fact there are entities out there that do not coexist very well and but the employees the operators do for the most part and we're going to take care of each other. You know, you hear the word brotherhood with police and firefighters and, and other first responders and mercy workers. We have that same brotherhood and it's, 
it's really, really special when you can, when you need help, you can get help, or you know, when somebody else needs help, you're there to provide it. You know, just to be able to call somebody and discuss a problem with them. Hey, I'm experiencing this problem. Have you ever, um, have you ever experienced the same problem? And what did you do to solve it? Uh, you know, kind of talk through situations and stay on top of it. And you can't do that uh, if you don't cultivate a friendship. And, and uh, for us, we really promote that through the district meetings. And uh, it's, it's pretty special. You know, you guys mentioned how this is a brotherhood. How has that uh, come together during the COVID-19 pandemic and the way your organization has had to do business in the last year? I think it has changed in that a lot of the water and wastewater providers have had to lock down their staffs, um, sending them out of town to an event or sending them to a training where you don't know, you know, what people have been exposed to. And, you know, you, you bring 30, 40 people into a, a room and you hope that everybody uh, is serious about hand washing and sanitizing and screenings and all of those kinds of things. But it's it's really difficult. I talk to folks all the time that, uh, in fact, I talked to a guy this morning, called in and he goes, you know, we, we realize that TWA has ventured off into the virtual training. Um, I'm not ready for virtual training. When are you going to open up? And I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of those type of calls. And for for me, you know, I can get in a chat room or I can talk to you or somebody else on a, you know, on a phone or electronic means. And it's not the same as just being able to shake your hand and say, hey, I appreciate you, your help whenever y'all loaned us, you know, this part or this piece of equipment or that type of thing. And the seems like the newer generation is more hands off. Um, but the older generation, my generation developed the friendships and then they didn't mind asking, uh, for favors or help or, you know, wouldn't mind you reaching out to them if you had a need. Uh, and I think that's one thing that we're losing with this new, uh, generation and of workers and COVID hadn't helped that any. And Russell, it's hard to give this spill because I've had the opportunity to teach several of the online classes because of COVID and the on uh, the live being shut down. I, I play off the crowd as an instructor. I play off the students in the room and you miss that aspect. I will tell you, you know, Russell and I kind of, I agree with what he said, but I'm hearing even from the younger folks when the, when they start hearing, you know, from those of us that have been around forever. Do you remember when we were at this event or however, you know, they hear the stories and I'm starting to hear these younger folks say, I want to get to a training event. I want you know, get to live training. The on-demand, the uh, virtual classes that, that were offered, they're great. They really are, and I think that they're going to be it, – it'll be a wave. Uh, but I think that with COVID, you know, it's kind of brought it to the forefront. But I think 
that I don't lose that personal touch and I don't want TWA to become a fake organization. And, 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 you know, we're going to, and I know we will put effort back into these live events when, when we get past COVID, but for now we're doing what we have to, to make sure the operator training is provided and is available and Russell and the folks in central office have done a wonderful job trying to balance COVID and training. It's, it's, it's been really special to watch and see. Russell, talk a little bit about what are the, you know, we talked about the COVID-19 pandemic and how it's changed your training environment, but you wanted to talk a little bit about the impacts that it's had on operators. What, what are you seeing and, and Bill, feel free to jump into, what are you guys seeing with operators and the impacts that this is having on them? Well, there's, there's two reasons to go to training. One is to, well, actually, I guess you would say there's three. One is to obtain a license, and you got to have training to do that. The other one is to advance a license to from one level to the next level. And I would say the third reason is for renewal. And Bill and I talk about this quite regularly. The virtual training is perfect for renewal. It's perfect for some folks that are not the uh, more in-person learners. If they can read something on a computer screen, listen, and be able to ask questions, uh, they, can, they can participate. Where we see the biggest problem right now is the older generation that are not really computer literate or the entities don't have the facilities bandwidth-wise for Wi-Fi or for, you know, an additional computer to be on their uh, system, you know, for 20 hours. Uh, so we, we, we've, we worked through some struggles, uh, but we're getting there. And uh, folks are uh, utilizing what we're offering, and we're very blessed and very thankful for that. But uh, I'm like Bill. I mean, I think that there's got to be a balance um, if I'm, if I'm Bill Brown, I'm going to send my folks to live training over online training if it's available and if, you know, it, feasible to do so, but in a bind, uh, getting some continuing education or, um, a class maybe that's very difficult to find, then the virtual is kind of a hybrid system. Uh, so maybe it works for them. Uh, but it is a different animal. Um, some people really like live training because they can ask the instructor, you know, I've got this specific problem, and how do you, how would you handle it? You can still do that in in uh, virtual training. It just, you know, how it all boils down to your typing skills. You know, how quick can you type a question and and uh, ask it in a chat room environment? And that it's it's a learning experience on both sides. And I, I'm going to comment and I'm going to remove just from, I'm going to step away from the training side and talk about the operations side in COVID. The way it's impacted our operators is we've had to split our, our uh, staff 50 50 to try to mitigate COVID and, and stop the So we've had to split our staff. That means I've got half of our operators working five days and then they're out of the office other half come in what and and i've heard of a lot of entities having you know similar schedules or 
you know, they've come up with some time of some type of altered schedule to keep operators, you know, from everybody being together at one time. The problem you have is not all operators are at the same experience level. Not all operators um, are as gung ho, maybe as the others. Uh, they're not go getters, and you know the the job is getting done. The you know the requirements are being met, but you know you're starting to see some preventative maintenance fall through the cracks, and uh, you know any any projects that you were going to try to do in-house with, with your folks uh, may have been, you know, pushed out in the future. So it's put more of a burden on operators because they're having to pick up the slack where the other guys are not there to help or the other folks, I should say. But it's a whole different world for, for folks in public works or, you know, in the water wastewater industry and i look forward to us getting back to normal really too and for you guys as well i mean we have the covid19 pandemic and then here in february you guys got slammed with some severe cold that you're not used to how how did your organization play a part in helping local utilities through that we monitored all of our uh mailboxes and all of that kind of stuff asked answered questions about like boil water notices you know where do you get the language that that shows up on the public service uh, announcements you know where do we get that uh, what steps do you have to take to rescind the public or boil water notice more of a regulatory aspect is where we were fielding calls as far as uh, you know, having a big group of people to go out and and help an entity in trouble or something like that, we're far from that. I wish that and hope that someday we get there, uh, but now it's more, I, I would say we're more, uh, how do I keep TCEQ and the EPA uh, off my back kind of things versus um, Bill's perspective, you know, how do I keep that customer in water and offer any kind of assurance that it's safe. And um, I think that's kind of where I, where we parted uh, responsibilities. I don't know. What do you think, Bill? I, from a, Russell, from, you know, from the TWA side and the central office side, literally, Brian, all they can do at this point, and it's simply, it's not, it's not experience and it's not, knowledge it is manpower and their focus was answering phones and making sure the regulatory questions were met and answered so we had a lot of folks that were looking for you know we got to have a lab well the lab we use is closed do you know of any other labs and uh you know we were having to kind of monitor some of the uh, tceq traffic to tell them, well, you know, there's supposed to be a mobile lab opening up in this location or that location. And um, that's pretty much what we spent our time doing. Now, my perspective is a little different, Brian. <laughs> we <laughs> So our district is just over 380 square miles of service. And our 
we have just about 10,500 customers spread out through that 300 square miles. So hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of pipe. Well, anytime there is a weather event, we have a protocol to make sure that, you know, all of our tanks are, are full and, you know, that we don't, that any leaks that we know of are repaired and to make sure equipment is full of fuel. And in our typical power outages, we can make it a day and a half or two, depending on time of year. But when you throw the fact that our surface water is treated by another entity and they lost power for two or three days and their generator failed, they could not produce water. When they could not produce water, we ran out of water. Our well systems with the mass uh, widespread power outage that we experienced, you know, we lost uh, power to every facility minus one. And when you don't have the ability to either pump water from you know wells or you can't bring surface water in, you run out of water. And we fought that for the better part of four days. Uh, you know, we scrambled around, we're able to get some mobile generators and we would move them from the site to, you know, when our telephone system at our office is internet based, the internet went down. Uh, plus we had no power in our office, so I couldn't have staff there. Well, just the perfect storm of events happened. Had it been a power outage for three or four hours, nobody, this would have never, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it. We've been through it, you know, countless times before. But the events that we went through the other day, you know, we're not used to it in Central Texas. But when, when you start talking about snow, if we see it once every 10 years, I think we're doing good. And then, and then it's a dusting of the ground. It's not six inches of snow, that, you know, that's followed by ice. It, it was just nobody, I don't think, foresaw, well, the, elect, the electrical, the electricity issue that we had, it just, it made everybody go back and, and start rethinking your emergency preparedness plans which we've already started the reviewing process. Back to the TWUA for a minute. What do you guys see as the future of TWA? And Russell, maybe we'll start with you. Where's the organization going? What's what's next on your guys' horizon, you know, after we get out of the pandemic and all of this stuff and things start opening back up? Where, where are you guys going? Well, I think that we've got probably a third of our membership and a third of the operators in Texas that are waiting for that day. Uh, we get three years to get uh, 30 hours worth of continuing education, and uh, we see yeah, there were some folks that, and, and a third of them renew every year. So you got 30,000, roughly 30,000 operators. You got 10,000 of them renewing every year, and the ones that were close to renewing or that needed some continuing education went ahead and took advantage of it. The ones that can push it out another year or a second year, those are the ones that are going to be running and flocking to us whenever we are able to 
go back to uh, live classroom training. I see TWA as, as um, catering to both uh, areas. We will support and we will do the live training in classrooms, but we will also continue to do the electronic training that has proven to be effective uh, just in case this thing shuts down again or some other uh, event happens or uh, folks just for whatever reason uh, find themselves short on on uh, training one of my concerns is that whenever things do open back up everybody as bill kind of mentioned uh, has put off all of this maintenance and all of this, you know, the pumps need to be maintained. The the, the system itself, uh, expansions and replacement of parts and gear and all of that, it's just kind of taking a back seat. So once it opens up, I see uh, a lot of these guys being tied down to their uh, work requirements and maybe not being able to uh, travel as much as they did in the past, maybe. Uh, so we're going to try to be a one-stop shop. If you want online training, we can hook you up. If you want uh, live classroom training, here's our schedule. I'm going to add to that. TWA is what, 103 years old now, Russell, is that correct? Correct. Coming up on our 103rd year. And this organization was founded because operators needed to be educated and needed to be trained. We're kind of unique from other training providers in the fact that we are a member controlled organization. Uh, we are membership. It, it's our focal point and I see TWA going forward as expanding on that and making sure that, you know, uh, operators out there understand that we're just not a training provider. We're way more than just that because everybody, the, the board members are some shape, form, or fashion. They are tied into the water wastewater world. And for the large majority of us, we're all licensed operators and we want to be there for each other. I, I see TWA just, we're going to adapt to the changing media for teaching and still offering live training events. But uh, I, I think when this is all said and done, and this COVID issue, I, I hope people come out of this realizing that, you know, TWA stepped up, they met a need, but we need operators to be part of us because, you know, Russell said, you know, he keeps talking about the older generation. I used to, I, I tell people in class all the time, you know, I used to sit in class and listen to the instructor and think, man, why did this guy retired? <laughs> well, I am that old guy now. And uh, I'm not ready, quite ready to hang it up, but I'm going to in the next handful of years. And, and we need people to come in behind us who care about their public, you know, their, their, their entities, their systems, and, and, and their heart is in this business. 
And I think that's where TWA is going to make great strides and, and, and provide those opportunities. That's great. Well, gentlemen, uh, on behalf of all of us at McGuire Iron, we appreciate uh, all you guys do for the water and wastewater industry and for the training you provide for your members through the Texas Water Utilities Association. Thank you. Thank you very much. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.